Hello and welcome to the Everyday Christian Podcast. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. So let's always strive to do our absolute best to be everyday Christians. Well, this is our final episode of this current season. I certainly want to thank you if you stuck with us throughout the season uh, for being with us every week and listening to the podcast. I want to thank you for listening to all the other podcasts that I'm sure you listen to at Scattered Abroad Network. Certainly appreciate all the guys at Scattered Abroad for combining our efforts in uh, these podcasting platforms, and I appreciate uh, Caleb and Michael for including me uh, in in jumpstarting this pod- podcasting network. Again, go over to scatteredabroad.org and check us out, and uh, we would be glad uh, that you would utilize uh, all the podcasts that we have each day of the week. I am certainly thankful for the growth that we have experienced at the Scattered Abroad Network and and also the Everyday Christian Podcast. Uh, We've had, you know, at the Everyday Christian Podcast, we've had listeners in almost every state now. Um, And there's just a few that we're lacking now. I'm looking at the map and we've got a lot of downloads, of course, in Oklahoma where, where I'm located, but also in places like Tennessee and Texas and Georgia. And how about this? Even New York and you know, I, I kind of chuckle at that a little bit because I'm sure uh, you guys up in New York may not uh, be very fond of my southern accent. I don't know, maybe you maybe you like it, <laughs> but I do appreciate you listening to us uh, with the Everyday Christian Podcast. But also, uh, I'm looking at our world map, and it's really interesting seeing all the different countries that that we are able to push these episodes out to, and it's truly amazing. Of course, the United States being the biggest one, but but also places like India, we've got quite a few downloads there, as well as Australia, the Philippines, uh, the United Kingdom, Canada, uh, Namibia, Portugal, and, and on and on we could go listening listening uh, places like Germany and Singapore and, and different places that the podcast is reaching here at the Everyday Christian Podcast. Uh, but I also go over to our master feed with the Scattered Abroad Network, and I just want to share this with you guys. I appreciate y'all so much for listening to all the podcasts at Scattered Abroad Network. Take a look at this. Our all-time downloads uh, with just a year and a half or so of, of uh, podcasts being pushed out, 42,095 downloads in our master feed. That is just awesome. I'm so glad to see the growth that we have at the Scattered Abroad Network. Uh, I'm recording this in early May of 2022, and that's where we're at at this point. We're just absolutely thrilled to death with that. And I I look at our map, and I see all the different places that our combined efforts with the Master Feed, all the podcasts are reaching. Uh, Many, many downloads in the United States, of course, but also places like Guyana, or Guyana, however however you pronounce that, uh, as well as India, the Philippines, uh, Albania, Australia, Russia, of all places, um, and the United Kingdom again, uh, Ethiopia, Spain, just so many different places, uh, literally Christians, right, scattered abroad. That's what the theme of this podcast network is, and we literally have Christians listening uh, to our podcast all around the world, and I'm just so, so thankful for that. And I'm, of course, uh, above all, thankful to God for allowing this network to get up off the ground and, and to be successful and um, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity. We are uh, going into our last episode again of this season, and we are wrapping up our discussion with Joe Wells on his book, Game Plan. 
these have been some longer discussions. Uh, Joe and I were, were quite long-winded, and so uh, these episodes, these last three episodes of the season, have been longer episodes. If you enjoy long longer episodes, well, you're welcome. <laughs> if you uh, prefer the shorter episodes, well, just hang in there and please listen to the entirety of the lesson. Uh, these episodes, I know that you'll gain so much from them because Joe Wells uh, just really knocked it out of the park with uh, the important cultural topics that we discuss in these episodes. Thank you again so much for listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. Let's get to it, this last episode of this season. I wish I knew back when I was in college what I know now. It's not that I know everything, but I know enough now at least to challenge some things, such as if my teacher were, in, were to give me a test after they had just taught me that truth was relative, I would ask, how dare you give me a test and then grade me on a test when you've just taught me that truth is relative? I'm just going to turn in a blank piece of paper to you mm-hmm. and then challenge you to give me a zero because what you do when you give me that grade is you're grading it by an objective standard. Yeah. And you're telling me in your grading system that truth is not relative. Right. But I'm telling you, I'm doing exactly what you just spent the entire semester teaching me to do. And, uh, okay, my truth is that this paper gets me 100. That's right. And a professor that is honest with his teachings would have to give you the 100. They would have to. And if they don't, then they don't really believe what they've taught you. Amen. That's exactly right. So that's why I would not do well in college today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, you, you'd get along with my dad. He likes to... Play with those professors yeah. and stuff like that, too. Uh, let's move to chapter four. What did we really think would happen? And this starts with the discussion in your book of the book of Judges. And, you know, we think about Judges. You know, before Judges, you had Moses, good leadership, and for the most part, good results. Certainly there was slip-ups, but for the most part, good results because of the good leadership of Moses. You've got Joshua. Again, good leadership, and for the most part, good results. But then you have, when you get to the book of Judges, you have the death of Joshua and the death of his contemporaries, and then everything falls apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no king in Israel at that time. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I want to look at Judges 2, verses uh, 1 through 3, and you have this written in your book on page uh, 53 and 54. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bacham, And he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they will become as thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. And then you've got in bold, if we don't obey God, we will have both spiritual consequences as well as physical consequences. Is that not exactly what we're seeing in society today? Absolutely we are. And that is that is something that obviously I bolded, but when you look back at that reading from the book of Judges that you just read, um, that's exactly what he said. It's not just the idea of the spiritual problem that the children of Israel had with God. It's that these people would become a thorn in their sides. So in other words, you're going to have physical ramifications for not doing what I said, but then you and I are going to, there's obviously a spiritual problem here too. And to answer your question, is that not what we're seeing? Yes. And and that's one of the things I, I do bring up is 
if God doesn't sit on the throne of authority in, in America, in my life, then I do. By default, humanism places the human on the throne of authority. Well, then the idea is this, then if I fail, if I struggle, if I don't like the direction that it's going, then there's no sense of it to be made other than I blew it. You know, I am the one that's the problem. I am the one. Now, here's the thing. Nobody would, I don't, I don't hear many people refuting that. And of course, the opposite of that is not, well, then are you saying we should blame God? No, what I'm offering is when God's on the seat of authority, my goal is to submit to him. What he chooses as the outcome of that is going to be what's best. And therefore, even if it doesn't work out in my favor or what I think now, at the end of the day, I still have peace because I know that he's got a bigger plan than me. But when I sit on the throne of authority, I do not have that same peace. And, and I, I'm saying I as I represent one who believes in humanism, right? Humanists don't have any finger to point other than to other humanists. Mm -hmm. Well, this didn't work because you. Or ultimately what we're seeing is um, that the finger's pointed at them. And so that's what I go into with that book is we see a uh, demise really uh, an effect of this in our culture when it comes to low levels of self-esteem, high levels of anxiety, and specifically the issues I go into are, um, you know, even matters of like plastic surgery. Why are we not happy with ourselves? Why are we seeking to change that? I go into bullying. Why is it that we're seeing that rise in, uh, in, in being talked about amongst our young people in schools? Why is that being such a big issue? And of course, all of that to say this, if we really believe what the humanist is saying in our culture is right, then we should feel really good about ourselves for sitting on that throne of truth. The problem is with every generation, even since this book was written, we're seeing continual increases in low self-esteem, high levels of anxiety, um, just a low approval rating of our own, our own selves. Our happiness level has gone down. And of course, post-COVID, people can point to that and go, well, yeah, you know, that makes sense and that that, that would happen. And, and and I would propose to you that this was happening before COVID came oh, about. Way before. You know? For sure. Um, it may, COVID may kind of kick this into a whole other level. Right. I, I read something this morning or actually heard something this morning that amongst gen, Generation Z, which are uh, those who are in high school, those who are in college, maybe early workforce, um, that they are showing very high signs of lack of uh, happiness in jobs and they're leaving jobs and they're not looking at jobs the same. And, and of course, that particular report was talking about how COVID had impacted Gen Z. Um, but I would offer this to you. I think there's more to it than COVID. I think the self-esteem issue is all tied back to the physical consequence when God is not the one in authority. And then there are other consequences that go on top of that, which really results in a negative cycle, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like it, so I do something. Well, then I don't like that, so I do something. I don't like that, I do something. And ultimately, it's a spiral continuing down a hole of, I'm not a success, I must be a failure. So I even look at suicide rates mm -hmm. amongst young people. Um, and of course, I guess we could chase that rabbit, but we don't necessarily need to with social media and the ability to live stream mm -hmm. uh, suicides and how that's been a part of the media uh, 
you know, change over the last 10 years uh, is really, really a concern. And uh, I believe there's other things we could chase on it. More kids on medicines for ADHD, ADD, more individuals being referred to um, programs within school settings to get that extra help from special education teachers. Um, all of that, of course, I believe goes back to the demise of the family unit, which ultimately goes back to a reshaping of God's authority, which ultimately goes back to we've kicked God off the throne, we believe, and put humans there. So I believe all of these are actually connected. Building blocks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've heard the term Generation Me to describe recent generations. Uh, it's yeah. All, all about me. And, and the other thing is you mentioned self-esteem, the idea of it being the new American idol. You break down the two words, self and esteem. You want to you speak to that for just a moment? Yeah, we can. Of course, my, my ultimate view is that we should be raising children with God esteem. Yeah. In other words, our, our worth should be not because of what we've earned or failed to earn. Our worth should be based upon uh, God says I'm worth something and God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Therefore, if he says I'm worth something, then I'm worth something. I'm more than my past failures. I'm more than my successes. I'm more than did I make it on the school team or get the lead role in the play. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times, though, that's not where we are. When you put self on the throne, then self becomes what we elevate. And, of course, in that chapter, I also talk about, you know, just common common sense knowledge and common sense advice that we've really put self in the middle um, of everything. Hey, just be yourself. Hey, um, you know, you got to love yourself before you can love other people. And does it make you happy? Then do it. And mm -hmm. at, the, at the core of all those statements are the self, right? And so our esteem, the way that we view ourselves as far as worth, oftentimes is rooted on the self. And if the self isn't viewed Favorably, in other words, did I fail that test? Did I not get the the part that I wanted? And do my peers not think I'm worth anything? Then obviously, when that is the basis of my worth, then it's going to fluctuate. And teenagers struggle with that so much anyway, um, because eventually, in their shifting of their adolescent development. Um, they begin to pay more close attention to what their peers think about them. And of course, if their peers are not affirming their worth, then it becomes very easy for that teenager to feel like, well, if they're not affirming the worth, then I must not be worth much. And believe it or not, I've talked to numerous teenagers who that's what gets them going through a spiral of cutting. That's what gets them going through a spiral of thinking about suicide or even why some would be pushed into the transgender LGBTQ community is because there is such great acceptance there, whereas their peers did not accept and validate their self-worth, right? So at the core of all of that is this, when we are gathering our worth from people, we will have problems. When our worth, and this is something I would encourage all of your listeners to think about is, am I trying to raise a child with high self-esteem or am I trying to raise a child with high God esteem? Amen. Because that's a difference. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law 
and the prophets. And appreciate you saying so much uh, in, in our meeting here. Uh, the heart really is the, the bottom line, the heart. Why do we attend worship services? Is it to check off a box or is it because our heart is, is in it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving God? And because of that, that's why we're here. And we love our neighbor as ourselves, especially our brethren. And that's why we're here. And everything that we do, it's because of our love for him and, and our love for one another. That's the heart that we're supposed to have. But we can't have that type of heart if we're wrapped up in ourselves. Well, yeah, that's, that's why some individuals will use the phrase, well, I'm just not getting anything out of that service. Absolutely. Or I'm going to leave that congregation and go somewhere else because I'm just not really being, getting anything out of it. Or, and ultimately, at the, at the end of all those questions is the self too, right? I don't like the preaching. I don't like the song leading. I don't like the Bible class teachers. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the self is still at the root of all those decisions. And, and look, you know, I, I've, I've said before here in this meeting, and I'll say again, I live in the real world. And the real world is this. There are some congregations that probably need to pay more attention to their song service. It doesn't need to be brother, brother so-and-so showing up five minutes before worship begins and hurrying up and picking out songs. You know, there needs to be a little bit more forethought into that. And, you know, if, if a preacher is getting his thoughts together 30 minutes before a sermon because he, you know, got busy playing golf or going fishing all week and 30 minutes before it's time to speak, he's throwing something together, then yeah, that's going to be shown, right? So I, I live in the real world, but I also know this, that usually that's not what's happened. Right. Those are the rare extreme cases. Mm -hmm. Usually what's happened is that brother who's leading singing has spent some time considering and praying about the songs and the preacher has prepared himself. And the person who says, I don't get anything out of that. I don't like the preaching. I don't like the you know, song leading. The self is what they're looking to appease. Right. And the heart is really the core of this. And it, you're, you know, everything that you're supposed to be about is supposed to be about a heart that's directed toward the Lord. And even in a congregation where I don't think maybe it's the best song leader or maybe I don't think he's the best preacher, if my heart is in the right place, that'll be okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I think the problem with, you know, folks that, that don't have this right in their, in their mindset, that's, that shows us why this extreme boom and the community church type mindset is going on in, in the entertainment and the uh, let's have a, a rock show and in all this. That's why. That's, it's consumer driven. It's based on what can you do for me? Show me what you can do for me, and then I'll come. And, and you right. mentioned you mentioned the uh, example. I guarantee you we can fill this building up. If we put an ad in the newspaper, $500 for everybody who shows up, you'll fill the building up. But mm -hmm. those people aren't worshiping. Those people, right. those people, their heart's not in it. They just want what they can get out of it. Right, which is why when you mentioned the, the big push into the community church and, and a lot of different upbringing, you know, a lot of different offshoots of that, is it really is like in the days of Judges, there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own mind. Right. It, when God is not the authority, when the Bible is not the standard, then you do have chaos. Oh, yeah. And you can have chaos in societies of which then chaos can bring demise, but you can also have chaos in the concepts of religion, which it can also bring demise. Right. Uh, which I believe is why... Uh, operating with a standard, operating with order, operating, understanding God is the author of order. 
That's not because strict and rigid is the goal. Right. It's because Satan works in chaos. Right. Now, God can work in chaos too, right? God mm -hmm. can. But the issue is God, God doesn't. That's not the regular way we see him working. God put chaos into order, thus the creative account. Well, God, you know, God can piece things back together from chaos. Satan creates more chaos. Correct. That's so. a better way of saying it. Yeah. Which is why, I mean, what you said, the consequence is spiritual and physical. Right. You know, Satan smiles at chaos. Mm -hmm. Chaos causes humans hurt and pain. Right. God says, that's not the way I intended it to be, but you've got to do it my way. Right. But one one good um, rainbow in the cloud, though, is that when the chaos comes, sometimes people do wake up. And, that's right. And they look back to God to, to piece them back together. And, you know, we may see some of that very soon. With as bad as things are getting, you may see some people finally wake up, which would certainly be a blessing. Yeah. And I think COVID may have played a role in that, too. Absolutely. I, I agree, for sure. Just a few more things, and, and we'll be done uh, for the podcast, but chapters 5 and 6, I'll just me mention briefly, uh, you mentioned agendas attacking America, and you mentioned a couple, abortion and the homosexual agenda, and as we've mentioned, need to add to that a little bit, because it's, yeah. it's gone past just the general homosexuality. Now. Yeah, I would definitely, in the update of that, we'll contain one that's of the sexual identity confusion right. concept, because that's the progression that this has gone down. Right. And it, really where the discussion's being held today. And and we're even headed towards pedophilia as well. I and, think once the door is opened, it's hard to shut it. Uh, um, right. I, I think it won't be... Obviously, my 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 take on the that subject, it won't be a grown man with a three-year-old girl, mm -hmm. but it'll be a 25-year-old man with a 13-year-old girl. Right. And yeah. the argument will be, but we love each other. Mm -hmm. And how young can that 13-year-old... B, to be able to have consent. Right. And is a 13-year-old in their right mind thinking long-term? Right. Or is a 25-year-old man taking advantage of a 13-year-old girl? Yep. You know? And, and hey, Pandora's box has been opened. How do you and, shut the door? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, and then I want to skip to chapter 9, uh, the sexual, speaking of all these things, mm -hmm. the sexualization of America. Did you ever think that it would get this far? I know we've seen it getting bad and worse and worse and worse. Did you ever think we'd get this far? Um, I guess my mind, you know, starting back from when the book was written, um, I saw a trend that was growing. And again, it's based upon concepts of young ladies being told that they're not worth anything outside of their bodies. Or maybe the better way to say that is that is your greatest asset. Yeah. Uh, was your look and men, young men being raised to view it that way, but not just in homes. I don't think homes are the main source of necessarily that upbringing, um, but it's through media mainly of, mm -hmm. of demonstrating what girls are supposed to do, how they're supposed to dress. I mean, you even think about uh, stars that come out dressed the way they are in, in different uh, music performances. Uh -huh. And the women's stars are going to come out dressed in body suits or glittery, glittery, really short dresses. But you don't see men on the whole coming out in body suits right. in really short shorts, you know. Um, so women have been objectified in our culture for a very long time. It didn't just start with our current concept and it didn't just start with this book. I mean, I, 
I've researched back with old tobacco ads mm -hmm. that were from the 1800s yeah. that contained women uh, that were nude, that were being objectified. Yeah. Uh, furniture advertisements that were objectifying the outline of women and equating to that to beautifully designed furniture. Well, you know, the old saying is true, sex sells. And uh, here's another one that I despise the thought of it, but, but they preach it all the time. Flaunt it if you've got it. And what's, what's crazy and is illogical is they want women, and this isn't a discussion of modesty, uh, except for that it's part of this big picture of, of where we're at morally in society, but they want women especially to dress very immodestly. And through that, they're being objectified, but how dare you be the one objectifying them? Right. It's it's illogical because hey, I want you to see what I've got, but the moment you notice, the moment the moment you say something, the the moment you uh, make a comment to me about you know some kind of sexual comment, how dare you do that? Right. The, they're speaking out of both sides of their mouths, and I guess maybe that's by design. I don't know, but it's well. Again, I think it's chaos. But you think about this: the hashtag Me Too movement. I don't want to deny and downplay events that were literally offensive and dangerous, sure. okay? So I don't want anything I'm about to say to do that, but I believe like movements like that are dismissive of the reality of God made men and women different. Mm -hmm. Men are visually driven. Our our boys are visually driven. God God made us that way. Um you know, and the reality is that a lot of the designers and a lot of the reasons why ladies dress the way they dress, even if it's not immodestly, is they want to present themselves in a certain way so that it is attractive or at least not unattractive, right? Why is it that people put on makeup? Why is it that a person will brush their hair out? None of those are dealing with immodesty. Mm -hmm. But they're dealing with a concept that goes on within the human mind, and that is, I want to present myself where other people find me appealing right. and attractive. And look, guys do the same thing. It's just some of us have just given up on that, right? We're just like, <laughs> I, hey, it is what I is. It is what it is. I wear the same pair of blue jeans, right? And, and who, who cares if they're 20 years old? You know, they still fit. But that's typically not the way ladies have been taught to respond. And it wasn't a modern-day concept. Right. Ladies have been taught to dress to to be noticed for some time. And so when you really start to think about the things like the Me Too movement, it does dismiss a bigger cultural concept. And maybe that's to their credit, what they're trying to do is address that going, well, wait a second, we don't want any inappropriate behavior. But yeah, but we're not telling designers to quit designing scantily clad clothes or clothes that will be very immodest or, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't portray women as objects to be sexualized in TV shows and mm -hmm. in music. We shouldn't have what are called video vixens, I guess, is what one guy called them. When the rappers out there rapping, get these women that are dressed in very little clothes out there dancing and gyrating, which would make Elvis Presley look like a saint. Yeah, yeah. You know, but those are the areas that we're not attacking. In other words, Hollywood and oftentimes the elites who are behind those movements, they want to demean a male response, but they do not want to address the root of the problem, which is why aren't we 
getting onto Hollywood? Why aren't we telling them to quit producing music videos like this? Why are we producing video games where the women are anatomically um, exaggerated mm -hmm. and there are some video games that could even cross the line just from anatomical exaggerations to you can take the clothes off of the video game characters. Yeah. Why are we not addressing those who are putting out information and videos on YouTube about what they're actually revealing and why are they doing what they're doing? They know exactly why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, it's because sex sells. sells. Right, right. Right? But the moment sex sells and somebody says, hey, I'm going to go and be drawn to that, then that's... And, right. and at the end of the day, obviously, there's no excuse for crossing a line. Please hear me say that. In this podcast, do not leave this podcast without hearing me say there's never a good excuse for a man to cross the line with a woman when the woman has made it very clear, no, and if it's outside of what God has taught. Right. I am not suggesting that it's okay. What I am suggesting is we probably should turn our attention to a bigger problem, and that is the way we are objectifying women. Why is it that nine out of 10 women's magazines say that if you want to be worth something, you either got to lose weight or here are some sexual things you need to be ready to do for men? Why is it that only one out of every 10 men's magazines pay attention to the physique? It's because we've taught our women they've got to be a cookie-cutter shape, and it really is demeaning, and it really is harmful. Why is it that eating disorders are so high amongst our young ladies? Why is it that we have elementary girls who are on diets? Why do we have mothers who are continuing to, to push that upon our children? It's not always for health purposes. Mm -hmm. It also is because of appeal purposes. Right. And we, at times, as Christians, fall into that too. We want to dress our girls up. And then our girls get older and we, they don't understand why they can't dress up. You know, it's on that note, and I don't want to chase too many rabbits, but the reality is this. We allow our little girls to do things we would never allow our grown girls to do. Right. Such as, um, you know, throw this out. Uh, your little girl wears a two-piece bikini to the pool and you say, well, she's only one. She's got a diaper on underneath that. It doesn't matter. There's nothing there. Okay, I get that. And would not uh, disagree with you that there's nothing appealing there. Right. But the idea is, okay, when that child turns two, they continue to wear it. Turns three, they continue to wear it. Then they begin to develop at around, what, 10, 11, 9, 10, 11. And all of a sudden, you go to your 12-year-old and you say, hey, you can no longer wear that. Right. And that 12-year-old girl, that 13-year-old girl says, why not? I was wearing it this whole time growing up. Yesterday, it was okay, but today, it's not okay. But see, I say the same thing with cheerleading. I say the same thing with dance competitions. Um any of the stuff that we will allow our young daughters to do at a very early age, if you're being honest with yourself, there comes a point in time that you're not going to be okay with grown men or teenage boys looking at your daughter wearing that stuff. Mm -hmm. And eventually you're going to have to say, what, what I told you was okay yesterday is no longer okay today. And I would offer this to you that that has the potential to give your daughter much confusion. Absolutely, and, and setting her up for problems. And, um, you know, when I preach on things such as this, I always mention, yeah, uh, and it's not just men, men, women, women, too. I mean, there's aspects of this for both sexes, but 
But what I tell young men, I says, you've got absolutely 100% responsibility for what, what you're doing with your eyes. Absolutely. And I tell young ladies, and you have 100% responsibility for trying your best to help in that regard mm -hmm. as well. And the Bible tells you there's a certain way you're supposed to dress. And you're not supposed to be, uh, to use the expression again, flaunting it if you got it. Yeah. That's not biblical at all. Uh, Peter says that, you know, it's not supposed to be about the outward appearance, the plating of the hair and the, the pearls and all these different things. And he's not saying that you can't try to look nice. He's, no. saying, he's saying your focus has to be right. the man of the heart or the person of the heart, not uh, the outward appearance. Yeah, I don't want to suggest either that you've got to walk around looking very much so unattractive. I don't right. think that's that's realistic in to to the way you feel about yourself and the way you present yourself. But the idea is, like you said, what is the purpose? Right. What's the intent? I heard one somebody once say, and I thought this was pretty interesting. She said, don't advertise it if it's not for sale. Amen. And I thought, mm, that's an interesting way of putting that. I heard another mother, I didn't hear her say it. It was at a woman's day, ladies day. And I, it was reported back to me that she did say it. She stood up at that ladies day and she, she made a very bold comment. She was a mother of teenage boys. And she said, uh, the mothers who allow their daughters to dress in ways that are being allowed today, she said, you're not giving my boys a fighting chance because ultimately you'd like to say it's it's all the boy's problem and he is ultimately responsible. Right. But the deal is too, God didn't make men and women exactly the same. Men are visually driven. And that's not to say that some women aren't. It's just typically that's not, they're not driven the same. Right. You know, and so I don't know. I, I do know this though, that, you uh you find you you teach your young boys to search for a heart that's hungering for Jesus in a young lady and her external appearance will be more beautiful than she could ever make it up to be oh yeah but Absolutely. if you teach your daughter to merely dress up the external and not to have a heart that seeks after Jesus then it's going to be short lived because eventually the external wrinkles yep and it sags and it changes and when that external is something that the the spouse becomes tired of, you should not be surprised then if it falls into the same situation as a lot of the marriages in America are falling into. Right, which is kind of what we started talking about that's with right. this. And, and that's really key is the, the disintegration of the, the family. Uh, I'm going to read First uh, Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 7. This is, uh, you've highlighted this on pages 175 and 176 toward the end of the book. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality or, or the idea of fornication and, and things that lead up to it too. Uh, that each of you knows how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. We need to remember that, uh, everyday Christians, as we're thinking about our lives, as we're thinking about the the sexual uh, nature of the environment around us, the overhyped, sexed-up nature of, of society today. We've got to make sure and refrain from all those things that are sinful and keep sex holy and pure in God's eyes, which is Hebrews 13, verse 4, the marriage bed is undefiled. Uh, I appreciate you so much, Joe, for coming on and talking about your book. Like I said, I want to promote this so that others can, can glean from it as well. You've got some extras in the back of the book 
as well, by the way, some practice drills for discussion. And uh, you've got an interview with Abby Johnson, uh, who worked for Planned Parenthood for a while until she saw how gruesome that was. And the movie you might have heard of, uh, Unplanned, uh, she was the one behind that movie. And so you've got some really good resources in this book overall, just absolutely outstanding. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about it. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank you. And like I said, if anybody has any questions, you're always welcome to email me at joe at kyopublications.org. And uh, you can check us out at kyopublications.org online. So uh, we'll offer that to your listeners as well. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast. Come back next week for some more episodes this season. Uh, Joe and I, we're going to go to lunch. So we'll see you later. Just kidding, guys. This is the end of the season, so there won't be any episodes next week. Uh, But check us out next season on the Everyday Christian Podcast. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.